Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Hello there, it's Jamila Jamel. Take a deep breath. Let your breath out slowly to the count of six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Do you feel better? Well, on my podcast, I Weigh, this month we'll be exploring ways to tackle mental health and feel better with guests like Simon Sinek from The Optimism Company, therapist Vienna Farron, comedian Neil Brennan, and many more. Listen to I Weigh wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, I'm Jamila Jamil, and welcome to Earwolf Presents, featuring an episode of my show, I Weigh with Jamila Jamil. Basically, each week, Earwolf Presents brings you a new episode from the Earwolf universe of podcasts. And today, you will hear an episode of I Weigh, where I interview the legend that is Nicole Byer. I think she's so funny. She's so interesting. Her perspective is so cool. She's completely carved out her own place, not only in this industry, but in the universe. And in this episode in particular, she shows us exactly why she's such a star, which is her unbelievable ability to entertain whilst also just stabbing you in the heart with her level of relatability and vulnerability, just all at the same time. It's it's almost offensive what a master she is of making you feel happy and excited and relieved and seen and heard all at the same time. In this episode, Nicole shares about living a no-shame life. She talks about learning to exercise just for the love of it rather than for weight loss. We talk about laughing while mourning and rediscovering her love for the pool after too many years of bathing suit shame. If you enjoy this episode, we have loads more with guests like Jane Fonda, Conan O'Brien, Roxanne Gay, Ibram X. Kendi, and many, many more. New episodes of I Weigh with Jamila Jamil come out every Friday on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Hello and welcome to another episode of I Weigh with Jamila Jamil. I hope this episode finds you well. I do want to quickly say thank you so much for how many messages you sent us last week after Alok's episode. We had something like 10,000 messages of love and support and all of you telling me how much you'd learned, how much it changed your minds or your family's minds about certain issues. Uh, For those who don't know, we discussed the binary of genders and trans issues, the history of trans, so much history of racism and uh, and gender non-conforming existence and lifestyle and issues. And it was such an informative hour where Alok just broke everything down in such a clear and concise and memorable and beautiful way. So I highly recommend it for those who haven't listened, but thank you again to those who do. Those things, those messages don't just mean something to me, they also mean a lot to the activists who come on the show and they put themselves, they put their lives and their, you know, their own mental health on the line by coming onto big platforms like this and talking about these incredibly difficult issues. And the reason that they have to do what they do is because they live such a marginalized existence. And so these people have hard lives and their timelines are sometimes really, really awful and abusive and traumatic and exhausting. And so 
please, please carry on sending messages of love and support and thanks to people who do that for a living. Because I heard personally from Alok that they were really, really moved and touched by all of the messages that you sent. And, it, you know, moments like that reaffirm they're sometimes what feels like thankless work. So continue to show all of that love to any activists that you see or follow online. And remember that you are contributing to drowning out all the negativity that they receive constantly just for bloody existing. Today's episode is uh, a little bit different. We are talking to superstar comedian Nicole Byer. You will know her from her hit podcast, Why Won't You Date Me? And also her super hit Netflix baking show, Nailed It. She also has a coffee table book that is now out called Very Fat, Very Brave. It's sort of a, it's sort of like a hybrid between a coffee table book and a self-help guide that she will be telling us all about in this episode. And we just get very real about a lot of things that are dirty and funny, but also very sad and traumatic. We talk about racial inequality. We talk about the body positivity movement and and fat phobia and the kind of existence that she is forced to live within by society and yet rejects so joyously and boldly. Uh, we talk about what it's like to lose your parents really young, which is what happened to Nicole. And so this is a slight trigger warning for anyone who maybe isn't ready to hear that or could have lost someone recently this year. She talks about using humour to overcome her grief and how important it is to make the most of life while you are living it. So I hope you enjoy this ray of sunshine of an episode. I think it's what we all need this week. She's a true, true icon and I'm so lucky that she came on to talk to me and this was an incredibly fun hour of my life. Enjoy. This is Nicole Byer. Nicole Byer, you are a stand-up comedian, an actor, a writer. You've appeared in a Black Lady sketch show, Nailed It, and Loosely Exactly Nicole, a show that you wrote based on your own life experiences. You are the host of numerous hit podcasts, including Why Won't You Date Me, which I've been a guest on, and the Best Friends podcast with Sashir Zamata. And as of June 2nd, you are officially now a published author with the publication of your self-help slash coffee table book, Very Fat, Very Brave, The Fat Girl's Guide to Being Brave and Not a Dejected Milan. Melancholy <laughs> down in the dumps, weeping fat girl in a bikini. You are truly one of my favorite people, one of my favorite comedians, and I'm so thankful to have you on my podcast. Hello and welcome. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. I have not heard someone say the full title of the book out loud, and it honestly, I'm like my own biggest fan. I think I'm very funny, but like. <laughs> Having someone read it out loud is so funny to me. <laughs> Jamila, thank you so much for having me. Oh, God, it's such a pleasure. So you and I met uh, because you were on The Good Place. I was. It was such a delightful week. I think I was there for three days. And yeah. what a delight. Like It was like a well-oiled machine because it was the second to last season. And everybody was so kind and nice and uh, yeah, it was just like really cool to have a job with like people I respect. 
Yeah, well, it was a joy for me to discover you. I was not yet familiar with your work and then instantly became a stan. Uh, started listening to your podcast, then you invited me on your podcast. Uh, and I uh, I have chosen you as one of my favourite Twitter followers of the last couple of years. Oh, you are thank you. Twitter follows, not Twitter followers. <laughs> You're my favourite fan. <laughs> um, I have to tell I, you, people still reach out to me about your episode of Why Won't You Date Me. Uh, people truly loved it and... I told you oh. after we were done, you were like, I don't know if that was good. And I was like, no, no. You said a lot of things that people need to hear. And uh, <sighs> a year and a half, two years later, people still comment on it to me. Well, I mean, is that that's the, that was one of my first ever podcast appearances. So I was very, very unsure about what I was doing <laughs> or how I was coming across. And uh, I hadn't been allowed by publicists to do such a free interview ever. Ah. <laughs> so I didn't know if I'd just gotten myself cancelled. But I think I told <laughs> I think I told a very personal story about a date I went on yes. in LA, right? With yes, a man it's who so funny. Uh, left my house with no teeth bleeding his chin split open uh, with an erection uh-huh. so if you want to hear more about that story uh, go and listen to my episode on Nicole's show why won't you date me uh, it's filthy as fuck so um there are so many reasons I wanted you to come today not only because I just wanted to be able to chat to you and look at your beautiful face but also because this podcast is about mental health and it's about self-worth but it's also about shame and to me you are someone who exhibits uh, a person who is bankrupt of fucks to give <laughs> and that's yeah. the that's the messaging that I take from your work and <laughs> I wanted to kind of dig into how one can get to that level mm-hmm. of bankruptcy because I aspire to be more like you oh thank you I mean I it's it's an interesting it's an interesting thing because yes I don't give a fuck I truly I understand that some people will like me. Some people won't like me. You know, Mm. one piece of pizza is not for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like a cup of tea is not for everybody. So like, I fully understand that. So like when people are like, I don't think you're funny, then I'm truly like, that's cool. I really hope you telling me that made you feel better. And I hope you actually find somebody that you find funny. Like, I hope you find joy somewhere. And like... I guess, when do I care about what people think? A friend. I care about what my friends Mm -hmm. think. I never want to, like, hurt somebody. I used to be a very petty person. uh, uh, And I've tried in my old age to be less petty. And that's helped me. I love pettiness. But it helps you not give a fuck. Because when you're petty, you're thinking about somebody. Somebody's somebody's name is in your, it's it's on your tongue. It's in your brain. What do they say? Someone's someone's living in your head rent free? Uh Uh-huh. And it's like, why are you giving them that space? Clean yeah. up that studio. Put some artwork up in there. Create something. Um, so are there things that you have ever experienced shame around? Um, shame is like, we, where you, how are you defining shame? I feel like everyone defines it something- in a different way. Yeah, to me, shame is something that you, it's a, it's a belief system you have around yourself, a set of expectations that you are mm-hmm. meeting, perhaps, uh, as a human being or via what you put out into the world, what other people think about you, the way you look, etc. It's 
it's sort of, it, to me, it's like this seed that is put in us from the outside that we grow and water ourselves until mm-hmm. it grows into a giant tree of shame inside of us that starts mm. to shift our decision process and creates a dialogue of us being not very kind and supportive to ourselves yeah. sometimes. I would say like food was always like a shameful thing. Growing up, my mom, I really talked about this, I think on my podcast, but my mom was always on some sort of diet. She was always on Weight Watchers. She was always taking walks around the neighborhood with her best friend. Um, she took, like, she talked a lot about weight. Like my dad is from Barbados. Uh, that's where his people are from. And I always wanted to go. I was like, because I love swimming. I love being at the beach or whatever when I was long, younger. Now I do too. But uh, I was like, mommy, let's go to Barbados. And she's like, we'll go to Barbados when I'm thin enough to be in a bikini. And then she died. So we never went because she never got thin enough. Well, now she's thin enough. But that's Jesus. a different story. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> The best part was it took oh, you just a half a second. Gosh. <laughs> My brain was in denial. Oh, I, I said love it. You. I but, love uh, you. So I guess I held in my body. I was like, I Actually, don't have- by the way, I do think that that's a great point about the fact that do not wait until yes. you are that perfect don't, don't bikini wait weight because you have no idea what's going to happen. Yes, you don't know yeah. what's going to happen. I'm yeah. sure my mother would have loved to have had a beautiful vacation in Barbados at her size and then dying as opposed to not having this wonderful vacation. Yeah. And, you know, take but, all those vacations that you can. Sorry, yes. go on. Oh, no, no, it's fine. But um, yeah, so I watched my mom and internalized everything she did. Yeah. So when I would restrict myself and then like be like it's a treat it was like a shameful treat mm-hmm. um and then as i got older i was like well why why do you care so much about being what everybody else looks like you've never been like that with your hair you've never been that like that with your clothes you've worn the weirdest shit like i leave my house mm-hmm. looking real wild like i'm wearing a weird kathy shirt right now because i love kathy but oh, uh, right. like i just wear whatever i want i was like why do i why do i care about my body looking a certain type of way so it took a while but i got to a place where i was like honestly i don't care what like if somebody is upset about this big body having a great time then like i'm so sorry that you have nothing interesting in your life you know, mm-hmm. like I started like being like, you're just projecting what you think I should look like onto me as opposed to just being like, everybody's different. This person's different. Maybe I don't want to be fat, but like they are and that's their life. And who cares? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, food used to be shameful. I used to like be like, I guess this piece of cake is a treat. And it's like now if I want cake, I'm just going to eat cake. Great. And I think that that's something that a lot of people are struggling with right now. You know, we're all locked inside mm-hmm. with all of our feelings yes. and with a lot of uh, sort of um, long lasting <laughs> foods, which are normally salty <laughs> and sugary carbs. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> and so I think a lot of people are having to confront that fear that they have and the way that these fucking social media apps are just doubling down on fasting apps and mm-hmm. weight loss and, and all these like fat loss injections and it's just becoming mad i've never seen so many adverts as i'm seeing now because they know that we're all at home online yes we're at home we're online and then eventually we're going to be able to leave our homes and people don't want to be like i gained the quarantine 15 or whatever but uh 
I think you can be, it's okay to be fearful of your body changing because anything new is kind of scary. Mm -hmm. But like that being said, there's nothing wrong with like moving your body in a joyful way. So like growing up, I wish someone had said to me, and this is like in my book a little bit, but like I wish a doctor had said to me like, you don't have baby fat, you have actual fat. And there's a way that you can lose that actual fat or you can keep the actual fat in a healthy way. Uh, Yoga. Do you want to learn about like yoga is a beautiful thing that any not anybody uh, most people can do. And yoga is a beautiful way to keep your body mobile, keep your body limber. uh, Mm -hmm. And it's like pretty intense sometimes. But it's like I feel joyful after it. And it's like running on a treadmill doesn't bring me joy. So I'm not going to force myself to do that. Um, And then like fat loss injections. Why? Why are you looking for like a quick way to get the body that you deem necessary? Because we're fucking panicked about it. Because as in people are panicking us about it. Yeah. That's why it's like, well, you can't go to the beach. So, you know, because normally this is like our beach body ready. You better be beach body ready. Yes. And so now it's just like, you better be COVID ready. You better come out of COVID looking like Jessica Alba in the 90s. (laughs) And it's so (laughs) insane because it's like, not everybody's built to do that. Like, no. I encourage people to look at, like, fat athletes because it's a thing. Mm-hmm. <coughs> There's um this woman named Roz the Diva, I think is what she goes by. Hold mm-hmm. on, sorry. She's um a black female plus-size polar, and she's one of the strongest fucking people I've ever seen. Um, and people might go, oh, but she can't do every trick that a skinny girl can do. I'm like, no, but she pulls that fat ass up that pole. Can homegirl who's thinner do that? Can she mm-hmm. wear a 200-pound weight vest and climb up a pole? Probably not. She's strong. Um, also, like, Olympic shot putters are, like, thick, sturdy women. Like, Look like, at Lizzo. I love that yes. video that she put out this week. She was like, I work out because I'm a performer and mm-hmm. I'm keeping up my own personal athletic goals. I'm not trying to get the body type that you want me to have. With Lizzo, it blows my mind that anyone can look at like a 10 minute long video because you can go on YouTube. You don't have to see her live. You can go on YouTube, look at her, perform, not stop moving for 20 minutes and then go, she's unhealthy. And I'm like, you do it. You try to do what she just did. I can't even have sex on top because I get a (laughs) cramp in the side. Do you ever get that? You know, like when you swim too soon after a snack. Uh Uh Yeah. Reverse cowgirl, three pumps and then I'm out the game. I tap out. That's it. (laughs) I I could never do any of the things that Lizzo does. I mean, yeah, she's just like bolted upstairs and not been out of breath as I Mr. Burns my way up. No one knows what the (laughs) hell they're talking about. Uh, Do you receive a lot of, you know, I talked about this with Roxanne Gay on this podcast. So do you receive a lot of concern trolling yourself or because of being a comedian, people not fuck with you in that way? Um, I think I just respond to people in a way that (laughs) it's not fun for them. I don't argue (laughs) with them. I'll just like repost it with a bunch of hearts. Um, and then people who want to fight <laughs> yeah. can go battle at my defense if the, if that's what they need to do. But I just like kind of repost to be like, I hear you. I see you. Thank you. But also, I don't mind if you yeah. feel the need to take the five minutes out of your day to hop on your phone, figure out my Twitter or my Instagram, get in the comments or tweet at me to go, you're fat. Guess what? 
I know. I know. You're not telling me anything. The only comment that's ever gotten to me is this woman was like, you seem happy. I appreciate your happiness, but I wonder if you're really happy. And I was like, am I really happy? Like, that's the only type of comment that shakes me when someone's like, I'm worried about your soul. Like, I don't give a shit about being fat. Like, what are you going to tell me next? I'm black and I have two eyes. These are things that I see and that I know. Like, it's, yeah, it doesn't bother me. People come at Roxanne Gay, like, in the meanest ways. Yeah. Because I follow her on Twitter. Hyper cruel. Yeah, I love her so much. She was at a a stand-up show that I was doing, and she was sitting in the back. And I don't fangirl really like I got to work with Ted Danson and I kept my cool but I saw you did I was there (laughs) (laughs) and I it was it was very hard but Roxanne Gay wrote this book Hunger that I loved so much because she was literally talking like for me about me and to me all at the same time and it's a beautiful book it's a rough book um and I loved it and I had just finished it when she was at this show and I saw her and I was like (gasps) I like started shaking in a way that I've never shook before and then after my set I was like "Mm, I love you so much and she's like you're so funny and I was no I was so excited I love her dearly she's great Oh, I'm so glad. Have you actually had a chance to... You should have a your podcast. I would like to. I think I'm going to reach out shortly because yeah. I think she just got engaged, which is a real treat. I um, I also read Hunger and that was the moment that I fell madly in love. That and Bad Feminist, those two books of Roxanne mm-hmm. Gay's that really meant a lot to me. Um, And Hunger really identified for me how I weaponized food against my body mm-hmm. and how I used, you know, to deal with... You and I have both been through a lot of shit when we were younger and you lost both your parents before the age of 21 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went through a bunch of my own stuff that we don't need to go into right now because <laughs> everyone's heard me fucking go on about it. But... um. I my body manifested all of my trauma. I mm-hmm. used it as a way to kind of like build up a defense against the world or against things that I would and I also used to like push my feelings down mm-hmm. with food. Was that something that you ever did? Um sometimes I would push my feelings down with food. I'm a compulsive eater, which is a fun thing I've uh, discovered about myself. Um I also have ADD. So the way mm-hmm. my ADD manifests is uh I can't really do mundane tasks without my medication. So like my I would open my mail every six months. I would only pay bills once like utilities were shut off. Um, And then eating was like a thing that I was like, I know how to eat. That's I can do that. That's a thing I know how to do. I can finish this task. And it's not like I felt better after finishing the task, but it was like something I could just do. Um, And that compounded into like, years and years of people like in high school or whatever being like you know like you don't want to like move your body when you're a fat body because people stare at you so like as an adult Mm -hmm. I like I don't like taking walks I don't like I I don't like getting lost I don't like walking around meandering with like no intention and I was like I feel like I should move my body more so then I got a personal trainer who is a dear friend of mine still I love him a lot and he he like wasn't He wasn't one of those trainers where he was like, we have a goal, blah, blah, blah. He just like asked me what my goal was. And I was like, okay. And then we would like start working. And then he'd be like, have you lost weight? And I would be like, no. And he'd be like, okay. And then we would (laughs) do it like he, (laughs) 
we had a goal, but he never like held me to it. And then like at like a couple months in, he's like, hey, Nicole, I'm just happy you're like moving your body and you seem excited when you like can do one more like rep of something. And I was like, yeah, that feels good. It feels like I accomplished something. And then I was like, oh, is that why people exercise? Because they feel accomplished and not to lose weight. So then like I started moving my body a lot more because I... It was a task that I could do before I started taking medication, if that makes sense. I also wish more people would look at exercise in that way. I feel like we would live in a completely different world. We I think do. our mental health would be completely different. Yes. I think if people, it's been so commodified and like bastardized by vanity exercise, mm-hmm. whereas exercise is something that we just need to do. We need it for our lymphatic yes. system. And it can be something like gentle walking. I can't exercise for shit. Like I <laughs> am just, uh, I, I'm like one of those uh, balloon type people. People, men that you see outside of um, car sales, car, you know, yes. the ones that are like, whoosh, yeah. whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. that's my sort of genetic makeup. I don't have any muscles, <laughs> but I, but I want, and I realized that part of why, because I, my eating disorder was compulsive eating and starving myself. Mm-hmm. And so just sort of binge purge, binge purge. And so when I used to exercise as a teenager, it was so obsessive mm-hmm. that I have stayed away from it my whole life. I'm totally traumatized by exercise, but I realize yeah. now if I could reprogram myself to not look at it as a means to a Victoria's secret body, mm-hmm. if I can look at it as the instant goals of the fact that you feel like you feel happy Mm -hmm. afterwards you feel in control of your body I'm projecting onto you what you feel Nicole I hope you're enjoying (laughs) it Uh, I I think that people know that they are improving their circulation Mm -hmm. maybe strengthening their joints it shouldn't be about the way that we look we're not taught about the fact that it's so exciting when you become a little bit stronger or you're able to lift a new weight or you'll be able to go and do more rounds and more reps I think that the idea of looking at little gains we're so Mm -hmm. obsessed with the big quick fix yeah and it's like you're not fixing anything like um yeah I for the longest time like my friends started taking I don't know something happens you hit like 28 and everyone's like I do bar method I take a lot of classes and I was like oh maybe I'll take a class so I took this Zumba class and The teacher was very belittling and not welcoming. And she kept talking about like, getting your body ready for this, like a summer beach body or whatever. And then I I, like wasn't getting the moves. So she was like, like, like screaming at me, like, do it like that. And I was like, lady, this is not it for me. I don't like this is bad. And then I like. Just you figured, also haven't come there to become an Instagram dancer. No. You're just there to fucking move. Just move my body in a joyful way. And it wasn't joyful. But no. like I <laughs> so then I started pole dancing and pole is like kind of already stigmatized because I guess women doing anything where they're showing their skin is bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like Instagram kind of shadow bans a lot of dancers. And uh so like it was already like a like a, a place of not misfits, but like people who do a very specific thing. So I started taking classes at this place in West uh, North Hollywood and nobody ever said anything about my weight. Nobody looked at me funny. No, everyone, cause it's a very singular journey. Um, And then one of the teachers there, this woman, Veronica has been like really instrumental and like, she'll teach us a move and then if I like physically can't do it just because like you know bodies have limitations mine has a limitation and she would go oh okay so she can't do it like that so she would just give me an adjustment as Mm -hmm. opposed to just like being like whatever you can't do it you know what I mean so I just think more fitness people can truly take a page from that to go okay I have a client who's different than me who needs a modification it's not a big fucking deal 
And then guess what? After doing the modification for a week or two, I can do the the other move. You know what I mean? Because it's yeah. like sometimes people need a little like one more step before the next step. I really, I really enjoy your pole dancing videos. On Thank you. Media, Honestly, so you know, and I'm really glad that they aren't shadow banned. I f- I watch all of them. <laughs> Is that weird? <laughs> no, I love it because honestly, it brings me joy. Like I like doing it. It's uh, I, I don't, think don't understand I... why we don't look at pole dancers as Olympians. I don't know either. If you the shit they can do is unbelievable. Gravity the... is not a thing. No, and there's this woman. Fuck, her name is like feline something. She's from Australia. Hold on, I'm gonna find her Instagram. But she is one of the most incredible. Okay, Felix Kane. She's on Instagram. She's like a champion fucking pole dancer. She's also like uh, very blessed in the flexibility department. Like her knees go backwards. So she like invented this insane move. Like she's like, you got to watch her. Like just, and then you'll like, just like look at the hashtag like, uh, like uh, just like pole dancing or like exotic pole. My boyfriend makes music that pole dancers love. I mean, it's it's wild when you go into the people that he, the things that he's tagged in. It's uh-huh. all pole dancers, and people love his song "Retrograde," where there's a moment where he's like, "Suddenly I'm hip," which mm-hmm. every single time in every single pole dance I've seen, that's the spread eagle moment. Oh, I love, I love it. it! I live for it. I show all of them to him. <laughs> I, <laughs> he's just very polable. So I at some it. point, That's great. at some point, if you ever end up making that video, send it to me. I will. <laughs> um, talk to me about your book, uh, Very Fat, Very Brave. Very Tell me fat, everything. Very Brave uh, came along. So in the book, I talk about like my journey to wearing a bikini because it was like years in the making. Tell um, me why. Because, so when I was younger, mm. I was uh, a quote unquote, a normal size. I wasn't super overweight. I just had like baby fat or whatever. Um, and then as I got older, I my baby fat didn't go away. It morphed into people fat. And my friends were going through puberty and they were getting hips and they were thin and they'd walk around in bikinis and I would look at them and I would go, hmm, they look really great. They look like what I see on TV and magazines. Nobody wants to see what I have, which is fully a thing that I made up in my brain. Not one of my friends ever said to me, ew, Nicole, gross. Your body's no. disgusting. Go back inside. But uh, that's a side effect of erasure, isn't it? Yeah. That's what it does. Uh-huh. It makes you think, well, if I can't see it, then I'm not allowed to be it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then I started wearing like a t-shirt in the pool and then shorts in the pool and then like, a full fucking like pants and shirt in the pool. And then I just decided <laughs> three piece suit in the yep, pool, a three, like, like a wedding dress in the pool being like, mm, guys, am I covered enough? Uh, but then I just decided I was like, I don't like swimming. I don't like the beach. I don't like being outside, which is a fucking lie. I fucking love swimming. I love the beach and I love being outside, but yeah. I stopped doing things I love because I was afraid that people didn't want it and that they might say something to me. Um, but then I went to like Forever 21, this is like maybe five years ago, and they had bikinis that went up to a 3XL. So I went in the fitting room, tried on two of them. I was like, this will fit me in like a couple months. I'll get it, but I'll like, I'll ha- I have like a fitness goal to look good in it. So then I like kept it, kept it, kept it for like a year or two. And then, uh, long story short, I went to Palm Springs with my friend Marcy, and I was like, Marcy, 
I only brought bikinis because nobody fucking knows me up here. And I'm just going to take pictures and hashtag it very fat, very brave. And she was like, we're brave because she's a bigger woman as well. Um, And yeah, then I just started taking pictures and then I never looked back. And I will say while I was in Palm Springs, this like weird French man with his family kept staring at me. So I looked at him and I was like, daddy, do you like what you say? And then that man (laughs) never looked at me again. Thing is, I bet he did. He yes, and I bet mean, he fucking did. And that's like another thing. It's like, no, I don't dress for other people. I I truly dress for myself, but I do love yeah. a compliment. But that being said, like everyone is attractive to somebody. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you, yeah, you could literally look like Jabba the Hutt, and someone will find you attractive. Someone will go, "Let me stick my dick in your rolls." Like somebody, but also you will make it sound it. like a like a more like kind of left field fetish, whereas we know that it's one of the biggest categories in porn. Big beautiful yes. women. Yes, and um, I think uh, Whitney Cummings told me that when she was building her robot, that the number one complaint from men was they wanted them bigger, yeah. like. Men, every man I've ever fucked has enjoyed my body and they say it audibly. I have never had a silent fuck where somebody wasn't like, man, that ass is fun. Like, it's fun. It's big. It's a fun thing for you to hang on to. There's literature back there. I got butt tattoos. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) literature. You know, in case you get a little bored, in case, in case a little too overwhelming, you can go, what does this say? but that being said, like, I also, love don't... the idea that you have a graphic novel across your ass. I just don't want people to get bored no, trying to that's keep their engagement up. Yeah. <laughs> I love the idea of learning something while you fuck someone. Right? That's brilliant. But that's that being brilliant. said, like, who cares if anyone finds you attractive? You look in the mirror and go, this is me. This is who I am. I love this. I might put inspirational Instagram quotes on my ass. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> that what I do. I might put live, laugh, love on my butt because I yes. think it's really funny. <laughs> but And what was it? Dance like nobody's watching. Dance Fuck like, like nobody's no one's watching. watching. <laughs> <laughs> I would love. That's so funny. It's um it's so true that when uh when a bigger woman will post a picture of herself in a revealing outfit or god forbid a bikini mm-hmm. there are there is a kind of there are three lanes of comments one is just you look great girl and mm-hmm. then the next one is uh, how dare you? You're going to die of diabetes. Mm-hmm. You're promoting and selling obesity to mm-hmm. other people. You're a danger to society, but we've never said this to Biggie Smalls or mm-hmm. to uh, James Corden or to <laughs> any of the other, or Kevin James. Yeah. Uh, we only think women are a danger. Bigger women are a danger to society. Um, and then the third lane is, you're so brave. Yeah. Yep. And I, um, so I love the fact that you call that out in a loving and affectionate way in the title of your book. What does that make you feel like when people are like, oh, so brave, as if you're a war veteran? Yeah, it makes me feel <laughs> fully insane. I'm like, you think it's brave that I wore a bathing suit to go swimming and then took a picture of the fun <laughs> I was having? If anything, it's the most mediocre thing one can do. Um, and then the people being like, you're promoting obesity. I was like, so I am. I threw my picture. You heard me say, eat the contents of your fridge. Like you heard that. <laughs> and also I'm not promoting obesity. If you are sick, please see a doctor, please. Also, I talk about moving your body. <laughs> like there's it's health at every size is a thing that people 
truly don't understand. Yeah. Like you can be you can be 300 pounds and be very healthy. Have yeah. you never watched football? Like these men are huge and they move very quickly. But also football has its problems. Um, but like, yeah. <laughs> it's just so wild that like women don't get the same treatment as men when it comes to like you said like biggie smalls like sure maybe people were like oh look at this fat ugly fuck and he's you know he'll mention it in a song but like he's like i may be ugly but i'll fuck all of your (laughs) all your women um fat joe no one said anything about it it's it's just so it's it's a it's a it sucks it does i'm not saying people don't comment on their size what i'm saying is that because people did of course people commented Mm -hmm. and all you know people yeah but nobody's like you're promoting yeah no one's like you're a danger to my children Mm -hmm. see this or a danger to me it's like they're so afraid that mm-hmm. it could happen to them that they're like somehow blaming women specifically yeah, it's so it's wild, wild. Where, where where i've heard you talk before about where you think that comes from but i want you to expand on that now that that in that obs- obsession with policing women's body where do you feel like that comes from um i think it's because uh women historically were told to be seen not heard but the when they say be seen not heard they still don't want to actually see you. They want mm-hmm. you to like, I think society would like women to stand on a line and you'd be like, ah, they all, they're just women who all look alike. There's no discernible qualities between these women who fucking cares. Um, and then when you're a fat woman, you're being very seen, but also you're being heard because you're taking up space. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's like the main issue. Like they don't want us to take up too much space. Yeah. And also, I guess, like, as a as a black woman, it must be a particularly strange 20 years to have been alive through where you you and I are roughly the same age. I think I'm a bit older than you, but you remember heroin chic. Mm, you mm-hmm. heard about it when we were trying oh, to yeah. emulate famine that was actually happening yes. in the world as a as a type of look. Yeah. Um, isn't that wild that somebody so was funny. like, ooh, look at those addicts. Let's not help them let's emaciate models and put them on a runway so they look like them it's <laughs> it's fully insane and I know. weird and, and then you know 10 years later it became the super athletic look and it was like mm-hmm. the britney spears no hips all mm-hmm. abs like muscles in her thumbs uh just everywhere um mm-hmm. i don't know why i said that muscles in her thumbs <laughs> i think that's because in my head, I have the fact that my thumbs have abs uh, <laughs> from tweeting so much. Um, and then now we have entered a moment where, you know, women who aren't black in particular are trying to emulate predominantly black features. So whether that comes to their lips, yes. but also their hips, their buttocks. Uh, yes. I don't think the Kardashians are the only ones. I think they maybe were the first people to get mass attention for it, mm-hmm. but we've seen it in everyone else. Yeah. Now, and it's a, it's a, it's an interesting trend to suddenly watch take over. It's weird that bodies have trends, one. Yeah. Two. Women's bodies. Yeah, women's bodies have trends. Like, Wendy Williams, her body is, like, from the 90s, like, big titties, no butt. And now the trend is big titties, big butt, tiny waist, And that's traditionally how black women tend to look. Um, And I believe in a cult, like cultural appropriation. Like I know there's been so many discussions about it where it's like, well, why can't women tan or white women tan? Why can't white women wear braids? And I'm like, nobody's saying you can't do these things. What I'm saying is when black women are hired at the same rate as white women, 
great. We can all tan. We can all do whatever the fuck we want. When black women aren't fired for wearing cornrows, yes, Mm -hmm. white women, you can wear cornrows all fucking day long. As soon as black things aren't uh, like ostracized and called ghetto or called uh, unprofessional, then like once it's like the norm, like black women can just do whatever the fuck they want. White women have at it. But like for now, if you wear braids and people are like, that's so cool. Just know probably a couple years ago, somebody called a black girl ghetto or wouldn't hire her because she looked like that. The Crown Act is still going on. Like yeah. we're still trying yes. to pass legislation for people yes. to not be allowed to fire or discriminate against yes. people based also, on their hair. If you Google professional hairstyles, you will only see white people. If you Google unprofessional hairstyles, you basically only see black people. Wow. And it is it that's part of systemic racism. It's part of implicit bias. Like yeah. people are like, oh, dreads are dirty. I'm like, beep, no, no. My friend uh, has had dreads the, the entire time I've known her. I've never seen a fleck of dandruff in her hair. I'm sure she over, you know, washes her hair so people aren't like, you're dirty or whatever. Um, It's just, it's so insane to me that people don't understand that aspect. Like, I'm, I'm not saying it's wrong for white women to do anything. I'm just saying when you have like the Rachel Dolezals of the world who want to be black so badly, but they do everything that black people do, but what she can do is rub off her fake tan and take out her braids. And guess what? She's a white woman. She you doesn't to have to white live privilege. in the body. And yeah. yeah, it's just, it's it's a tough thing to explain to people who don't want to hear it. For sure. I think I've brought up a similar argument before when I've been talking about, you know, we have a couple of trans roles, a couple of disabled roles in Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. Why do we always have to give them to very, very privileged cis or uh, able-bodied actors? Yes. And it's like, and and then they are fighting being like, I should not be, you know, I should not be held back. I should be able to to, to play this part, any role I want. And it's like, yeah, you should be able to suspend disbelief. But... Mm -hmm. But do that when there are so many roles that well, trans people are able to fill cis yes. roles, maybe. Let's I wait till there's more to go way. around. You wouldn't, like, we could just call her out by name. Scarlett Johansson yeah. has said on record, if I want to play a tree, I could play a tree, which means she's equating people different than her to inanimate objects, which I yep. don't think is very nice. And I don't no. think we should fucking forget about it. No. Um, I think... You equate it this way. Scarlett, would you would you do blackface for a role? Would you play a black woman where like there's no comedy in it? It's just a a story of a black woman. Would you take that part? No, you wouldn't. So why would you take a part of a trans woman? Why would you take a part of a trans man? You are not trans. Why would you take a part of a disabled person? You're not disabled. And Mm -hmm. that being said, yeah, you're right. Once like for like 20 years People in wheelchairs are played by people who are actually in chairs. Then mm-hmm. we can go back to like able-bodied people being in like, but like yeah. until and also there's when representation. There just three stories a year about yes. disabled people or about trans people. When there are loads of stories when a when a disabled person is just the love interest. Yes, and you know what I mean. Where that's just it's not a big deal. We have a short man with a tall woman. All uh-huh. these different things. Like let's just start yes, just ha- telling more of these fucking stories. It up. Yeah. and then like. I've been on like casting sides of things and I've, you know, I've 
I had a manager for a very long time that I was close to. And you hear stories about people going, we would like to hire a person of color, but like we can't find a good one. All the good ones are already cast. And I was like, get him an acting coach. If this is their first job, guess what? Their fee is pretty low and you have a budget. So get them an acting coach to give them a fucking shot. Like, Mm -hmm. how do you get experience? By getting the job. Give us jobs and we can learn. It's not like the first movie ever made was the most amazing fucking movie ever made. They got better over time because white people have been allowed to have access to practice. You know how many bad white movies there are out there? So many. But the minute Chris Rock say, he said that like he believes that equality will truly exist when black people are allowed to be mediocre. Yes, we're not allowed to be mediocre. I was at a, I perform at a comedy theater and I worked my ass off to be able to perform on that stage. And I don't know if many people who perform on the stage could say that they put in the amount of time and effort that like me and other people of color have put in. People of color, we work, like my mom used to say to me, Nicole, you just have to be undeniably good and you have to be the best. You have to. That's Mm. how that you have to. And that was like beaten so hard into me. And then my dad was also like, if if, when once money's gone, it's gone. So like they were trying to train me to like be in a world where it's like you're not going to get handouts. You have to work for everything that you're going to get and you have to keep working. Asian parents are the same. They lovingly panic you. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think that it's immigrant (laughs) mentality. Yeah, for sure. But but also, like, that stems from reality. Our parents Mm -hmm. are mad. Uh, It stems from their reality in particular. It's still our reality. Look at the fucking uprising that's happening in the world because we haven't moved the needle forward very far in 50 years. so So, crazy. Like, I am a child of affirmative action Mm -hmm. and people have come out or not come out, they've been saying that it's it's not fair. They're hiring mediocre black people that are taking the spots for white people who should have been hired or whatever. And I was like, no, my dad had two degrees and my dad worked really hard. And the reason why he was hired, uh, he worked at uh, AT AT&T. The reason why he worked at AT AT&T is because they had a diversity hiring initiative called affirmative action to hire minorities. And it's, it wasn't, just to give him a job. He was fully, maybe overqualified for the job, but it's like, if you don't clear a seat at the table, how can someone sit? So mm-hmm. my dad got to sit at the table, worked really fucking hard to the point when he died, so many people from the company reached out to be like, your dad was amazing. He worked so hard. He was so whatever, 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 this, that, and the other. But he created, he got a chance to create general wealth for me and my sister. So like mm-hmm. he owned a house. So when he died, I got to sell the house and you know, I got to, not be destitute because I didn't have, uh, you know, parents to fall back on. Um, he had a pension from this job that he excelled at. And me and my sister got to use that. And that's important. Do you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. a black person who's like who loses both parents who didn't own anything, who weren't allowed to sit at the table. Now they start again at zero. So it's like they started at zero because their parents couldn't do very much. They're gone Now they have no support and they're starting at a zero. So to me, affirmative action is a beautiful thing because white people don't seem to understand that they already kind of have affirmative action. Do you know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. it's a system of affirmative action. If you control it and you're the CEO of a company, you hire five white people, you've created generational wealth for those five white people, especially if your company succeeds and you've not given a thing to people of color. And 
people are like, people of color want handouts. I was like, no, we. it's not a handout. It's just helping me on a step. It's yeah. helping you get up the step so that you can continue climbing. It's just, it's just giving us the keys yes. to the room. Yes. That's all it is. Yeah, you can't start a car without the fucking key. No, exactly. There we go. We got there in the end. You know? We found it together. You know? Yeah. Because you now can turn on know. the car, but if you go, that's your prerogative. But mm-hmm. you got to get in the car first. I want to talk to you about more things like this just after this quick break. And we're back. Um, I'm going to ask something very personal and you can tell me just to fuck off if okay. it's too personal. But I've, we're in this moment where during this pandemic uh, and, you know, also during this moment where there's an uprising with Black Lives Matter, a lot of people are dealing with pain and loss. And that is something that you have had to experience, as you've referenced in this podcast, um, losing both your parents and the grief, I imagine, that came from that. Um, do you have any advice for people who have lost someone? and how you've been able to work through that to become this joyous, empowering uh, vixen from heaven? Um, I think my advice... So, like, when people die, people love to say they're in a better place. Time heals all, and you'll feel better. If you need anything, let me know. But I will say this, time doesn't heal anything. Time just creates distance. And then time makes you go, did I forget what my mom said about this? Did I forget what my dad said? And like all those feelings, they're okay to have. It is okay to wake up one morning and go, man, I wish I could call my mom right now. I'm sad. And it's okay to feel those feelings. You don't have to get over it. You don't have to be strong for anybody. Um, You can live in your grief. It is okay to have grief. And it's also okay to talk to someone about that grief who has no stakes in your life, like a therapist. Um, Mm. And it's okay to feel guilty that you're still alive and they're not. Uh, But what you can't do is sit in it for too long. You got to accept that you have these feelings and not move on, but like, let it move through. Yes. Let it move through you. Um, Because grief is, it's tough and it's really hard and nobody teaches you how to grieve. And then when people die, nobody tells you that like, you're going to be really sad. And then you got to get to business. You got to talk to a funeral home. You got to pick out a coffin. You got to pick the place for the funeral. You got to figure out if you want to cremate them. You got to figure out if you want to bury. It's Mm -hmm. like a whole thing. And my dad didn't do any of that when my mom died. So when my dad died and we were like closing his accounts or whatever, uh, we had to be like, also, they're like, oh, Mexican is Bonnie, his, or Lily, his wife. And uh, you'd be like, no, no, she's dead too. And they're like, oh my God, there's a, it's, death is a messy thing. And I think it's okay to find the humor in it. I constantly make jokes about it because if I didn't laugh about it, I just would be so sad all the time. Mm-hmm. I think that's really great. And I think it's because there's so little conversation around it out there that I dared to ask you something so personal. But I think in this moment where a lot of people have lost someone or Mm -hmm. they know someone or whatever, or they are in fear of losing people, maybe they've got parents who aren't very well Mm -hmm. or grandparents, for example, you know, we're in a situation where the fucking world is opening back up when the numbers are just not, not right. Like we haven't flattened the curve at all. Like it's going up. And then after all the haircut protests and now these protests, which all actually had to happen, uh, these numbers are going to continue to rise and everyone's opening up. Some places never closed down. They never closed the borders. So you're like, I'm fucking afraid for all of the grandparents out there. It sucks. You know? (laughs) It sucks. 
And I truly hope people don't blame the protests and the marches no, on no, the, no, no, the no, spike. No. I, I think the spike came from the haircut protests. That's what I'm talking about. That's why I mentioned that was first. wearing a mask. No, exactly. Uh, they were spitting in the faces of police officers who quietly so ignored them. nuts. Yeah, fucking mad. Oh my but the God. point and is, is Memorial that, Day. I mean, I know. it's... I love that the protesters for the Black Lives Matter marches um, and the George Floyd protests. I'm really glad to see that so many people, almost everyone, was wearing masks. Well, on all the flyers, it was like mask required. And like there were some people out without masks, but like that was like one in a thousand. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but they're surrounded by people who are I wearing saw, masks. It's fine. Like masked up. And yeah, it's also like we don't know much about this virus. So like everyone needs to sh- like just chill the fuck out. I know. Or, I mean, not chill out, but like. I don't know. Our, go- our government. I don't know. Just not die. Let's just not go out and yes. like genocide our yes. generation uh, with this fucking pneumonia, this <laughs> yeah, flying pneumonia. No. Um, so yeah. So I, I. So it's something that I wanted to know. And because you are such an open book uh, in such a wonderful way, I, I was just wondering that. And I was wondering how long it took you to get to a place where you were able to laugh and you were able to kind of come to terms with things. Uh, I mean, specifically with my parents dying, it was almost immediate. Um, I've I haven't it's not like I've always been a comedian but I've always been like a funny person who can turn a frown upside down if you will but like one specific thing was when my dad died um I was 21 living on my own and had experienced the world a little bit more than when my mom died but we cremated my dad and we went to Sandy Hook which is a I had a bike path that my dad went on a lot that like mm-hmm. I'd pick him up near when he'd blow a tire out or whatever. So and you're not supposed to scatter ashes in public, but <laughs> don't tell nobody. But we <laughs> had him in this uh, Tupperware container and we were arguing over something. I can't remember why it was me, my sister, my grandmother. And I was like, I'll just do it. And I snatched it out of my sister's hand, opened the top, threw the ashes. And then a gust of wind came and blew them back in my face <laughs> with my mouth wide open. And there was like silence. You could hear a penny drop. And then my grandmother laughed the hardest. I had heard her laugh in a really long time. And then my sister started laughing. And then they were like, he's on you. And like they were dusting bits of him off of my shirt. And it was like, that was so fucking funny in the moment. And also horrific. What what an awful thing (laughs) to happen. But it was just like, you have to find some sort of levity. That's why, like, you see these plays about, like, like August Osage County is about something very serious, but there's such funny moments in it. Mm-hmm. And it's because tragedy and comedy, there it's just a very, very fine line mm-hmm. between it. Have you, you, I mean, sorry if this is super cynical, but you should start a movie off with that scene. <laughs> that is un-fucking-believable. <laughs> Uh, just what a way to break the tension truly <laughs> jesus oh my word well i uh, i really appreciate i really appreciate you telling me that i can't get the image out of my head oh my god um okay talk to me about dating um, you have a podcast. I it's do. all about dating. It's called yes. Why Won't You Date Me, where you bring your guests on and ask them about their own dating lives and dating experiences. But also uh, at the very end, you ask them why they think that you are still single. How long have you been single? Um, I mean, I've been I've never had an actual relationship where like the mm. other person was like, this is a relationship. I've had relationships where I'm like, I think he's going to be my boyfriend soon. And it's like, no, he's not. He doesn't even like you. Um, 
But oh wait, what was your question? <laughs> no, when I, was, no, no <laughs> I don't think I'd asked a specific question. Oh, yet. how long I've been single my just, whole yeah, dang yeah. life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and and what advice? I mean, you've done so many episodes now. Have do you feel like you've gotten to the first of all? I mean, do you want to be in a fucking relationship? Theoretically, yes, but oftentimes before bed or like before I go to sleep, I'll like look around my room and be like, I don't know where the fuck someone would put anything because I'm not getting <laughs> rid of my clothing for this person. But yeah. uh, it's like, I don't know where I'd fit someone in my life, but I would love to be in a relationship. It would be nice to like go on adventures with somebody who like I got to fuck later. Um, yeah. Fair. Fair. Yeah. I mean, during lockdown, I think a lot of people wish they were single right yeah. now. <laughs> This is a good time to be yeah. with your best friend yourself. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've been I've been very lucky. I think Call of Duty saved my relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to give them any press though, <laughs> so we'll bleep that out. <laughs> it's a video game. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, but yeah, I uh, I think uh, it's a uh, this is a, a very interesting time for people in relationships. But yeah, yeah. So I was wondering, do you feel like you've gotten any closer to discovering what that might be? Or is it also just living in LA where uh, people, the fact that you were a constantly on the move comedian who's never in one place mm-hmm. for very long. And then when you come back to somewhere uh, stable, it's Los Angeles, the the sort of cemetery of love. Yeah, I think it's a huge combination of like, I'm always traveling. When I'm in LA, I'm usually working. Um and then also, like, I am a fat black woman, and that is a choice. Like, do you, is that, is that what you want to wake up to every day? Is that what you're okay showing to your friends? Um, so I think, you I feel, think it's just, you, Have you found that people have had an issue with that? I mean, not to my face. No one has ever been like, you're fat, and that's why we can't date, but I'll fuck you. Um, but you, you just kind of can't help but wonder if that might be it. Uh, and it might be. I like I truly I don't know. Uh mm-hmm. because there's other people who look like me who are in relationships. So I think it might just be I haven't been at the right place at the right time with like my heart open for somebody. Um and that's okay. I'm okay being single. I just like every now and again I'm like, it'd be nice to have somebody. Mm-hmm. No, I get it. I totally get it. I think that also I don't I say maybe 98% of my female friends uh, currently are single because mm-hmm. I also think that women are coming into this moment where we are just more educated on what we deserve mm-hmm. than ever before, which I think also scares the shit out of some yes. other people. I'm not just going to say men, but all genders. I mm-hmm. think that we are more emotionally, we have more vocabulary around our emotions. We are more emotionally intelligent. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least most of us are. <laughs> and um, and we know more about ourselves. More of us are in therapy. More of us read the kind of books that help us understand what it is that we need, what we're lacking, what isn't acceptable. The mm-hmm. shit that my, the last generation tolerated from their other halves are stuff that I don't see many of us Yeah. We just have the we have the language now mm-hmm. to actually call it out, understand it, and stay away from it. And I also think that there is less stigma around a single woman now, which means that yeah. we feel entitled to own our own shit. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if that's also part of it is the fact that we're we're not going to settle in desperation the way that our parents were told to. Theoretically, yes. But then sometimes I catch myself being like, mm, I will de- uh, text that boy who has no interest in me, who's an alcoholic and uh, wasn't the <laughs> nicest uh, uh, with a tiny dick. I will text him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, we've like, all been there, Nicole. It's, okay. It's we've all been there. moment of weakness being like, I can settle for this. Uh. Yeah. Oh, God. I went three years once without even touching another person's hand. That Oof. was between the age of like 24 and 27. And then just went out with, you know, a string of inappropriate people uh-huh, after yeah. that. Because I was like, Sometimes I, just, I really so believed after all. I was like, it's going to close back up. My hymen's <laughs> going to regrow. Uh, you know, I started to believe. You know, the fact that we use the expression cobwebs around a woman's vagina, mm-hmm. if you haven't been like, I've never heard that around a man. No. Yeah, no one's ever like, you got but cobwebs what? around yeah. your dick. No. No, it's <laughs> Ugh, just what women. an image. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Tell me some big takeaways that you want people to have from your book, Very Fat, Very Brave. Um, I think the biggest takeaway is if you have a body, be and you do because you're reading the book, unless you're a ghost, but also ghosts, um, you can wear a bikini. It doesn't <laughs> matter what you look like now doesn't look it doesn't matter what you look like 10 years ago it doesn't matter what you look like tomorrow now now if you want to go to a beach and you want to swim or go in a pool and swim you know social distance please um do it do it now don't wait for a body that you may never have um enjoy the life and body that you're in move yourself in joyful ways if you think you're too fat to roller skate guess what you're not if you think you're too fat to pole dance, guess what? You're not. If you think you're too fat to play tennis, you're not. Or do yoga. Or do yoga. You're mm-hmm. not too fat to do anything. And you don't have to move your body with the sole goal to lose weight. And post your body. Like, why not post about your body? Like, there's a lot of people who will, like, who follow me, who will comment like, oh boy, you give me inspiration to do X, Y, and Z. And then sometimes I'll hop on their profile and look at it. I'm like, there's only pictures of your face. Of course, you have a beautiful mm. face, but why not share your body with people? Why? Like, we should just, I just want people to celebrate all bodies. That's it. Yeah. And if ever we were in a moment to realize our mortality and how out yeah. of control we are of the situation and how many people have died during this time unexpectedly mm-hmm. and how many people have been locked in and can't go to that beach now. Yeah. I like, think honestly, we've all realized that you can't predict what's going to happen. You can't plan you can't. anything. You have no control. All you can control is your behavior and mm-hmm. the moment. And if I died tomorrow, I'd be so happy that like I tried to roller skate. I tried to ride a motorcycle. I've tried to pull. Mm-hmm. I've tried to do everything I've ever wanted to try to do. And if I get an idea in my head tomorrow, I'm going to try to do that too. People like we don't try new things we stay in this very like lane where you feel safe and i feel like when people talk about injustice like you know how you see a microaggression happen and then you go "Ooh, ouch that was bad or you mention it to someone later but in the moment you don't know how to be like that was wrong it's because you're comfortable and you're now uncomfortable and you want to get back to being comfortable get uncomfortable make other people fucking uncomfortable like me as a fat black woman showing my body, it's not brave. It's an act of defiance and rebellion. It's not mm-hmm. brave. It's saying, fuck you. I'll live the way I want to fucking live. And everybody should be doing that. You know, if you're in a wheelchair and you got nubs, show off your nubs. I don't know if that was rude, but... <laughs> I think I it was do, meant just, very lovingly and affectionately. Yes, like I saw uh, an Instagram video of this woman. She has um, her hands are they're small. I think they were like cut somehow or something. But she was mm-hmm. like making comedy videos about like 
the how her nails grow and i was like yeah this is something i've never seen i don't know your experience i enjoyed watching it i watched yeah. several more videos yeah. embrace your body embrace the things that are different the differences make us unique and the uniqueness makes you great i agree it's interesting you bring up that sort of discomfort. I mean, first of all, I have two things to say about that. One is that I talk about this a lot, which is that we stigmatize failure so much in a way yes. that I just find so toxic and devastating. Like we think that failure is anything other than the fact that you're such a boss for being willing to try when success wasn't guaranteed. To me, I think failure is a sign that you are so much so cool, yes. so brave, so open, so interesting. Like yeah. that that's my failure has been where I found all of my character. Mm -hmm. None of my character came from the very few things that I actually got right. Um, all of it has come from all the shit that I got wrong. It's how it's how I learn. The other thing I was going to say is that it's interesting that you bring up the uncomfortable moments, uncomfortable conversations, because look at this unprecedented scenario we find ourselves right now in, mm -hmm. in history, where we are hearing more about police brutality and the privilege system and how mm -hmm. it is built to hurt black lives. We're hearing more about history of African-Americans in particular right now, although it's happening all over the world. These protests are taking mm -hmm. up 200,000 people in Germany. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been it, it wild. What's lot. it like? What's it, it like to that, witness it? I mean, it's beautiful that all 50 states had some sort of protest or march. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's really incredible that the rest of the world has been like, yeah, this is fucked up. Can you guys stop it? Um, mm -hmm. And it's like it, it happens in other countries. Like black people are just historically people don't don't like us or think much of us. And I think it's a really beautiful thing that people have come together to be like, this has to stop. And I'll say this to white people, take a step further and black people, because I learned about shit like this uh, late. Look up Juneteenth. Look up the Tulsa race riots. Look up, I think it's Seneca Valley, which is, um, it was a black owned neighborhood that New York City then eminent domained and took land away from black people to create Central Park. Uh, it's just like, Jesus. look at all the old shit that you like looking at and realize that was built by black hands. Things are still being built by like, you know, when New York was like, we now have hand sanitizer made by the state. It was made in jail by people who probably don't fucking belong in jail. Mm -hmm. Think about the marijuana business, how it's legal in some states, but if you have a felony, you cannot get into the marijuana business. That is another way to prohibit black people from creating their own wealth at a game they fucking created. Marijuana was made illegal because black people smoked weed and that was a way to incarcerate them more. Like it is. And then now white women get to. And we don't smoke release weed them, by the way, in states. Yeah, we're not releasing them in states where shit has been made legal. This yeah. is not we're not done. One. I'm so glad you went to a protest too, but three, get loud, call mm. your representatives, um, make sure you talk to other people about like racial injustices and realize that it's more than just police brutality. Mm -hmm. It's systemic. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's implicit. It's, it sucks. It really fucking sucks. And yeah. like, if you like Chris Rock, like watches stand up, but listen, Michael Che, listen, like, listen to black comp. We all talk about it. All of us. Mm -hmm. You like rap music? Listen, we're all we're screaming it. We've mm -hmm. been we've made it into art that you consume, but nobody is listening and nobody is retaining. And I think it's I think it will get better. I think my generation, at least uh, the people I know who have kids 
are raising are trying to raise their kids to be racially or anti-racist and racially aware of biases. And when whenever people are like, I'm colorblind, it's like, go fuck yourself. How? How are you going to erase my color? That's not an ally. Celebrate my fucking color. I'll celebrate yeah. yours. And I'm not saying you can't have pride in being a white person. Sure. Be prideful, but also pride and supremacy. There's that's also a fine line. You know, so think about it. If someone says Black Lives Matter and then you go, but why are you saying but, my mm -hmm. friend? If if like someone, this is not my wording. I saw this online, but someone equated it to if your child was murdered and at the funeral, someone stood up and went, all children matter. You would be so devastated because mm -hmm. someone is negating your feelings and telling you that your child is part of this bigger thing when you are trying to mourn your child. Black people are trying to mourn the racial injustices that happen to us every fucking day. And you're saying, no, that's insane. Yeah. But and also, I'm like preaching to the choir because I'm sure people who listen to this podcast aren't, for you know, sure, out but there I think burning also crosses and putting on a hood. No, <laughs> God, can you imagine if that was my demographic? Honestly, it would be uh, really funny to see someone in a truck finish up this podcast, turn off the radio, put on their hood and go, ah, I'm ready. <laughs> it would be very funny. Oh my God. No, I believe that a lot of the people who listen to this podcast, similarly to me, are people who are learning, who are trying to figure out how to be more useful mm -hmm. and less feckless, less complicit. And, you know, people who know that we don't all know everything about every single different type of marginalized experience. But what mm -hmm. we can do is fucking learn. Um, so, you know, that's what this is. And so therefore, that's why it's great for you to come on here and spread all of your bloody joy and wisdom. Thank Before you. you go, will you quickly tell me, yes. Nicole Bayer? What do you weigh? Well, I uh, roughly two. Uh, no, maybe three. no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Is that a joke that other people have done? Of course. Yes. Uh, it's the easiest low hanging fruit. No, um, no, it's great. But I guess I weigh in joy, um, laughter, uh, beauty, strength. Um, uh, yeah, I think the, yeah, laughter, beauty, joy, strength. Yeah, I think those are the things. I think and that's one of the greatest pinned tweets of all time. Will you oh, remind me what your you. pinned tweet says? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to pull it up? Oh, I think I know what it is by heart. My greatest okay, fear. My greatest fear is getting too fat that I'll have to use a selfie stick to help myself masturbate. Uh, <laughs> and it came from... It's like not a legitimate fear. I'd figure out something. Yeah. But uh, it was just, not, I don't even know how the thought popped in my brain. I was like, well, I guess if I got too big and I couldn't reach it, I guess a selfie stick would have a long enough arm that I could angle it in. And, you know. You, tape a vibrator you, to it. Yeah, you just start thinking and then you're like, that's wild. <laughs> well, that is a perfect note to end this on. Thank you so much, everyone. Nicole's book, Very Fat, Very Brave, is out now. You can order it. I highly suggest it. Not only does she look wonderful, she is wonderful, as you've learned during this podcast. Nicole Byer, thank you so much for making time for me. Yeah, I love thank you. Thank you so much. I love you. 
Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I just want to give an extra massive thank you to the people who helped me make this. Sophia Jennings, my producer and researcher. Kimmy Lucas, my producer. Andrew Carson, my editor. James Blake, my boyfriend, who made the beautiful music for this show. And now I'd like to leave you by passing the mic to a member of our community sharing their I way. My name is Enza. I'm 15 years old, and I weigh so much more than my appearance. I weigh standing up for my friends when they need it. I weigh standing up for my enemies when they need it. I weigh standing up for all minorities I can because I know our world needs to change. I weigh standing up for myself because I know I will be a great person someday, no matter what position I take in this world. And I weigh so much more than who I am now. I weigh my future. Love you, Jamila. (laughs) 